I can't stand her. Can't you move any faster? Her cooking makes me sick. Can't the weatherman ever get it right? I really hate politicians. This is ridiculous. Get out of the way. I come home from a long day at work, and the house is a wreck. It's called deodorant. How hard is your job? Mind your own business. I'm defriending him on Facebook. I hate to mow the lawn. Epic failure. She stinks at her job. They should just fire her. I can't believe my kids never listen to me. My parents never let me do anything. All my friends get to do it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Turn there with me tonight, James 3.8. The tongue is the revealer of the heart. The tongue is the messenger of the heart. The tongue is the tattletale of the heart. The tongue dips down deep and brings up that which is within. James thought it was so important that he mentions it in every chapter, especially in chapter 3. When we say tongue tonight, I want you to also think heart. James 3 verse 7 says this, For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by my human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Throughout the book of James, he describes how we manifest this new life. It is how we live. He says this, True believers will manifest Christ in perseverance endurance in trials, humility in temptation, obedience in Scripture, love for the needy, a pattern of good works that will follow. Sorry, I just want to check my... True transformation will show up in how we talk. How do we control this thing, James says? It's untamable. The mouth, the tongue, the speech. This is Jesus' brother who's talking to us. Now that to me is something significant. In the book of James, this, this man James, he saw Jesus growing up as a young man. He's, he got to view all these things. He began, he's seen Jesus at His very best. He's seen Jesus in the midst of trial. He's seen Jesus when He was a kid playing around with His, his brothers and sisters. See, our, our mouth responds to the heart. It displays the heart. This, this is just a figure of speech in the Bible. We see these things like the feet were swift to shed blood. That their eyes were open to sin. See, all these things are, 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 are identified just like the speech is, just like our tongue is. How We cannot just blame this object in our mouth. But he's saying the tongue is how the heart speaks. In the Old Testament, they talked about the tongue being an arrow. If you would, if you have your Bible, you can, you'll see it up on the screen here. Jeremiah 9.8 Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceit. With his mouth one speaks peace to his neighbor, but inwardly he sets an ambush for him. Psalm 64.3 Who have sharpened their tongue like a sword? They aim bitter speech as an arrow. 
See, the reason they say the tongue is an arrow rather than the tongue being a knife is because it kills from a distance. And the deadliest of the tongue will kill without even being anywhere near the victim. The tongue is a deadly arrow. Every one of us is carrying around a concealed weapon. And all we have to do is open our mouth and it's unconcealed. Facebook. How many times have you seen people battling one another on Facebook? You know, see, Facebook, the words that we speak even there can become deadly weapons. I'm warning, I'm giving a warning out tonight. Beware of Facebook. Beware of what you put on Facebook. Beware of what you say on Facebook. Because those words are just as dangerous as the words that come out of your mouth. Now, faith and works is most visible in the tongue. Nowhere is there a union of faith and works more visible than in your speech and what you say. What a thought is that? See, a transformation that does not transform the tongue does not transform our lives. James 3.1, not many of you should become should be presumed to be teachers my fellow believers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly now what i'm going to do throughout this this message is i'm going to go back and lead us up to James 3:8 this is James 3:1 he's th- telling us there he says don't embark on being a teacher without weighing the gravity which that what you're about to do don't rush in there is great potential to sin with your tongue it is a fire set on fire by hell and if we do assume to be teachers, he says there is a stricter judgment. If you have a slip of the tongue and you're just a, 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 the, the normal person, a normal Christian, you might affect your family members, you might affect some friends. But if you're a teacher and you have a slip of the tongue, you can affect multitudes. We bring stricter judgment. Greater accountability is meant. I'm not meaning to stop us from being teachers, but I just want us to understand that when we put ourselves in that position, there is a stricter guideline that we have to follow. We are held to a higher standard than we are than anybody else. Dr. Bruce Thielman said this, There is no special honor in preaching. There is only special pain. The pulpit calls those anointed to it as to see as to the sea calls to sailors. And like the sea, it batters and bruises and does not rest. To preach, to really preach, is to die naked a little at a time and to know each time that you must go and do it again. So being a teacher of God's Word is a very dangerous occupation for anyone because the power of the tongue to speak in error and misjudgment and speak inappropriately to misrepresent Christ or the Holy Spirit has a great calling upon it. The Bible tells us directly and indirectly that these things about the tongue, it is wicked, it is deceitful, it is lying, it is perverse, it is filthy, it is corrupt, it is bitter, it is angry, crafty, flattering tongue, it is slanderous tongue, gossiping tongue, a backbiting tongue, a blaspheming tongue, a foolish tongue, a boasting tongue, a murmuring and complaining and cursing and contentious tongue, a sensual tongue, a vile tongue, a tail-bearing tongue, a whispering tongue, an exaggerating tongue. Did you see yourself anywhere in that mess in those in those in that list no wonder god put your tongue in a cage behind your teeth walled in by your mouth 
See, I want you to know tonight, remember your tongue is in a wet place. It can slip very easily. The easiest way to sin is to sin with your tongue. Nothing is more representative of man's sinfulness than his mouth. And there is no easier way to sin than with your mouth. Because we can say anything, there are no restraints. See, we as charismatics, we love the idea that words are powerful and effective. And they are. God spoke this world into existence. He tells us to speak the Word of God forth. He says to speak the things that He has proclaimed to us. But sometimes we forget that this tongue is still dangerous because it can be used for life and death. Paul told his young pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent to present yourself approved by God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 says, Make a good tree, and its fruit will be good. And make a bad tree, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, you, you who are evil say nothing good. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of good things stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things that are stored up in him. Matthew 12, 36, just a little ways down, he says, But I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. See, the Bible says that we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the acquittal. But if we continue to walk... And we begin to speak the things that that we're not supposed to speak, the things of evil. The Bible says we're going to give an account for those things. We are going to be judged for those things. Do you realize that in final judgment, your eternal destiny can be determined by your words? You say, I thought I was justified by faith. That's right. But the the justification you have received in Christ is manifested in your words. So that you can literally be judged according to your words. For your words, they tattletale on you. They tell what's going on in your heart. I have seen people who walk around in holiness on the outside. They don't covet. They don't commit adultery. They read their word. Yet with their tongue, they sin without regret. They're proud. They cuss. They gossip. They slander. They lie. And they don't even think a thing about it. James 3, 2. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. The true mark of spirituality is reigning in, keeping control of our tongues. Many speak in tongues, but they haven't got a hold of this tongue. See, we want the Holy Spirit to get a hold of our tongues. So that we will not speak what we're not supposed to say. Because whatever spiritual dynamics work to control your tongue will therefore work to control the rest of you. But it makes it so simple and so dynamic. If we could just concentrate on our tongue, isn't that practical? I mean, just get down to that. Focus on your mouth. And if the Holy Spirit gets control of the most volatile and the most potent member, the rest will be subdued. James says that. 
Psalms 39.1 says this, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. It is a powerful instrument. It can tear down people. It can tear down churches. It can tear down relationships. It can wreck a marriage. It can devastate a family. It can rip up a nation. It can lead to murder. And it can bring war. On the other hand, it can build up. It can create love, enthusiasm, encouragement, comfort, peace. It's a powerful, powerful thing, this tongue. And if we get a hold of it and control it, it can control the rest of us. So James says, look at your speech. Is it the speech of living faith and applying to yourself that control over your tongue? Because it's power to condemn you and it's power to control you. See, this is the wrestling match we have with our tongue. Because sooner or later, that tongue puts us on the ground and pins us to the ground. Because it, he knows, the enemy knows, how to target our weakness. Angels are ready to carry out those words that we speak. Those words of life, the angels are ready to carry those things out when we say them. But on the other hand, when we speak words of curses... The demons are just waiting for us to say those words so that they can carry those words out to, to their fruition. 1 Samuel 3.19 The Bible says that Samuel's words never fell to the ground. Demons are ready to carry out your words and wreak havoc if we, if we, don't allow, the, the, if we allow the enemy to use that. Tonight I want to give you three things, three practical applications. How we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit. How He gives us at new birth. He gives us new birth. And when, at new birth we get a new tongue. But it must be bridled by us. See, He gives us the new tongue, but He tells us, now I want you to rein it in. The Bible says it's untamable. It's our responsibility though to bridle it. Three practical things we can do to bridle the tongue. Number one is pause. James 1.19 says, Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We can pause. We can do this right here. First of all, let me, let me just tell you about this word slow. It's a word brados. And it means take time to deliberate. Unhurried. While still moving forward, after considering all the facts. Now if you would put if we would put our mouse in that kind of we would not we would we would take time to deliberate. We would be unhurried yet still moving forward and considering the facts. How many times would we not make those mistakes of what we say? One man said it like this, use the word wait. Why am I talking? I want you guys to remember that every single time you open your mouth and you're standing there and you're saying something. Maybe you're, 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 you're with pride. You're saying something you shouldn't be saying. Or you're saying just, just because you're talking. Just remember yourself. Wait. Why am I talking? Proverbs 21.23 says, Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Proverbs 10.19 says, Where there are many words... Transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. I met a man not too long ago. I was waiting to see if he was from God or the enemy. I went down to Porterville and I met with him. When he prayed for me, I thought, wow, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost goosebumps. Let me see what is going on here. As I sat across from him at the table, he didn't shut up. 
He talked and talked and talked and talked. And I came home and my wife says, what do you think about it? I said, I don't think it's the Spirit of God. Just a week ago, something happened down at a church in Porterville and it revealed to me exactly what the Holy Spirit had said from the beginning. Listen, if you're always talking, if you always have to be in control of the conversation, there is sin will be always right there before you. Uh, look at verse 28. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Now, my father had his own version of this. He used to say to me, son, it would be better for them to think you're a fool than to open your mouth and leave no doubt. <laughs> and he was really trying to help me because I talked too much growing up. I talked all the time. I can remember the day after getting saved when the Lord said to me, Robert, the world will not stop orbiting if you're not talking. You don't have to be talking all the time. I can remember when God began to deal with me about this. I, I, I remember on the top of my meeting notes, when I'd go into meetings, I would write, Don't talk. <laughs> be quiet. Listen, we're this, we just read a verse that says, When he shuts his lips... Shut your lips. Let me just say this. This is what the Bible's saying. Shut up! Please, just once, be quiet. Okay, when we talk about bridle our tongue, let me just give you an example. If you're, if you're new at this, you might have to do something like this. When someone says something, you might just have to go. And just grab your lips. Don't talk. Let me read you another verse. Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Have you ever done that? Let me say it another way. Have you ever finished someone else's sentences? You're all real quiet. Now I think you're just lying to me because you're not saying anything. Think about it. Someone says, hey, I, I, I know what we can do. I got a great idea. And before the person even finishes, we say, yeah, yeah, I, I got that same idea. And, and we share it. And then the person says, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> and we feel foolish. Or here's something else that happens a lot. Now, you're really going to be quiet about this one, many of you. Here's something that happens a lot. We'll be, Debbie and I will be at dinner with a couple. And the, one of them, the husband or the wife, will begin to tell a story and the other one jumps in, interrupts, and starts telling the story also. And here's what happens. And then they say, oh, I'm sorry. And then the first one will say, no, no, go ahead. You tell it. But you, and you can see that it happens a lot. Do you finish the story that someone else starts? Okay, let me just speak to you very directly from the Bible. Shut up. Learn to bridle your mouth. Um, I, I had such a problem with this when I was growing up. Talking too much, not listening. And uh, I can remember teachers, you know, would say, you know, he just doesn't listen in class. He talks all the time. And then one of our kids, I had to go to the teacher, parent-teacher meeting. One of our children, the, the teacher says, you know, uh, he just doesn't listen. He just talks and he talks and he just doesn't listen. And she's explaining this to me and, and she just, she kind of went on and on. And I've always kind of had a problem, you know, staying focused, you know. And so she's going on and on. In a moment, she says, is there any history of ADD in your family? 
And of course, by then, I was watching some bird out the window or something. I, you know, I, I thought Robert Morris brought that truth out better than I could do. You might get mad at me, but you, can, you, can, you won't get so mad at him. Number two is ponder. Think out of your heart before you say it. Don't give them a piece of your mind. We don't have that much to spare. Ponder in your heart before you speak your mind. Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Luke 2.19 But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That word there, ponder, means consider, to confer. Matthew 15.19 For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. See, what I'm trying to get at is this: what we need to do is our heart wants to speak. And we need to wait upon the heart to speak, not let the head get engaged before the heart can tell us what, we need to, what really needs to be said. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of the God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, we need to get our hearts converted so that they can tell our renewing minds what to say. Our converted hearts that God has renewed need to tell our renewing minds what to say. Number three is purify. In Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple, it says that the foundation shook. And there was smoke filled the room. And he saw the angels. It was a holy sight. And here's a holy man of God. The prophet of God is standing there. And what is the very first thing that he says when God, when God begins to speak to him? What comes over him? He says, Woe to me. I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King. The very first thought when he sees the glory of God, and we cry out for the glory of God constantly. Here's a man of God. Jesus, we want you, we desire you, come! The man of God, the first thing that comes to his mind is, my lips. What have I said? What have I done? James 3.3 3 says, Now we put bits into horses' mouths so, we can, so they will obey us. We direct their entire body as well. I want you to see these big, huge horses by the little bitty boy on there who can tell that horse where to go. James 3, 4 says, We look at ships as though they are so great and are driven by strong winds and are still directed by our very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. You can go in these huge ships, a ship that, that would, would probably fill up all of the town of Springville. You go in the, in the captain's room and there's this little bitty steering wheel or little, two little levers that steer that ship with a little rudder on the back like this. James is telling us, listen, though this thing is small, 
it can cause a lot of damage. So the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire in James 6. The very world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our whole life is set on fire by hell. James was saying this, listen, shooting off your mouth will not bring you into alignment with Christ. I'm going to have Robert Morris, one last thing, he gives his testimony. He said, God, I I can't control this area of my life. I need your help. Now here's what I get out of this. I need this every day. Every day I need to come into the presence of God to begin my day. And not just read a few verses or say a few prayers. God, take care of this and take care of this. I need to see the King. I need to see the Lord every day. And when I see God, I can confess to Him my faults and my weaknesses. And God can touch my mouth that day. And then I can go out and help my society of unclean lips. I can help other people because every day I have an encounter with God. And God touches my mouth. And He cleanses me. Um, I share my testimony a lot. You've heard my testimony. Uh, I, I was saved in a motel room called Jake's Motel Room 12. Uh, but when I share my testimony, I don't share this part of it simply because of time. But in this message, you need to hear this, this part of it. I, I grew up, again, with a very unsanctified mouth. I talked a lot, talked all the time. And, um, and I, I would say things that offended people. And, and as, as I've learned and, and gone through inner healing and, and freedom ministry and things like that, I, I've learned that actually it was because of a root of, re, of rejection that I had in my life. And here's what I would do. I, I just figured that at some point you were going to reject me. And so what I would do is say something that would just go ahead and get it over with. i just cause you to reject me, you know, within five minutes of our relationship. That way it wouldn't hurt so much if it was five years later. And so, that's, and I, so I just said things that were offensive. And so there was an evangelist that just kind of took me under his wing, saw the gift of God in me. He thought I was saved. I thought I was saved. Debbie thought I was saved. We were married at the time, you know. And uh, so everyone thought I was saved. I'd, I'd walk down the aisle when I was a kid, and I'd rededicated several times. I'd been baptized three times growing up. I mean, that ought to do it, you know. <laughs> and so I just, but I, I, I offended people all the time. And uh, so I'm with this guy, and he's the one, we're in the, he's, he's in this motel room, he was going to speak somewhere, and he said to me, well, you did it again. And I said, what do you mean I did it again? He said, well, you offended so-and-so. These were uh, some people I'd been with the week before. I said, really? He said, oh, yeah. He said, you really offended them. And I remember thinking, I thought I was on my best behavior that night. And it just kind of settled on me, I just can't do this. And then he made this statement to me, he said, you know, Robert... Maybe you've never laid your insecurity on the cross. And when he said it, I can't tell you the conviction, because the day before I had said to Debbie, I said, you know, I may not truly be saved. It was just so shocking. God was already dealing with me. And I, so I said to this guy, I, maybe I've never laid anything on the cross. I believe the Lord... Tonight, for a generation of complete surrender. I don't know if this message, I know it stepped on my toes. 
I want to surrender everything to the Lord. I give away. When no one's looking. With my relationship with my wife, I want my mouth to be surrendered to Him. The only way that happens, you know, I, I think we sometimes think we come to Christ and then just everything, He, he does this to us and, and it's, he's, it's all done. But James says it like this, he says, listen, this thing has to be bridled. I've got to get it under control. Tonight, if that message is for you, tonight you're saying, you know what, Greg, I know exactly what you're saying. My mouth gets ahead of me sometimes. A generation of surrender singing. Tonight, I'm just going to ask you to come to the altar. And I'm just going to ask you to begin to pray. Ask God to forgive you. Just like Isaiah, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Cleanse my lips. You touch me with your coal. Lord, I want to be whole. I want to be whole before you tonight. To lift up that voice and say, Hallelujah. Just all stand.